0: I can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of March, 2013. Now, there's always newcomers coming in, so I'd advise you to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots and lots of audios for free download, and you'll find sites listed on the com site that also have transcripts for print up. In English, and if you go into Alan Watts sentient, EU, you'll get transcripts in other languages of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. Because understanding the system you're born into is is quite something else, because it's hard for most folk to believe that uh, they've been indoctrinated from birth, and that everyone they know is in the same boat, basically. They all agree about the same things because they're all given the same indoctrination about the same things. They're given the topics, they're given the conclusions, and they think they're all quite sane and natural. That's why it's so easy for for those at the top who gave you the system, who control it, to manipulate everyone and update you as they guide the whole world into this new world system of complete you know, socialism, basically. Uh, Intricate socialism, though, and not on behalf of the people who, who are at the bottom at all, it's Often supported by them, because they're conned, but it's actually to bring in an ordered system with the proper people running the world properly in an in a orderly fashion. no more self uh, decisions to make. The state will make all your decisions for you, and so on and so on and The big foundations set themselves up long ago as charitable philanthropic organizations, and they're now called the parallel governments by the, the insiders themselves. They even put their own members in as prime ministers and presidents of countries, half for a 100 years. And they have their own historians who actually boast about it in their books, like Carol Quigley. So I go through the big system, and their plan is not a, a secret. It's called The Open Conspiracy, because H.G. Wells was a propagandist for them. And he, he, he titled one of his articles in his books, uh, The Open Conspiracy. So uh, everything's published. It's just that most folk don't want to read them. They're dry books, very dry and uh, it's not like a novel with chases and sex scenes. They're very dry and depressing to read. And but the fact is, uh, you will see it all coming true in your lifetime. Every step, every plan for 50-year plans, 100-year plans, 150-year plans for different aspects of society change. Uh, it's all been done, and there's more to come yet. So going to my website, as I say, you'll find out uh, what's really happening in the world. And don't be startled by it. Once you understand it, you're never startled by anything that happens. You know what's got to come next. And also, too, remember you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring you on advertisers as guests. I don't sensationalize anything. I just tell you the straight hard facts, and it's, it's rather sad, but that's where life really is, hard facts. And you find out that everything's happening by deliberation, by big, powerful organizations at the top that you don't elect at all. They've been running the show for a long time. So you can help support me and get along by by uh, buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can, you can possibly donate as well. Because so have no shares in any company selling anything at all whatsoever. So to do so, as I say, go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find out how to do it. From the US to Canada, remember, you, can, you still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office or you can say in cash or use PayPal across the World Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And as I say, straight donations are really, really welcome as we go into so-called austerity, the planned austerity that was talked about over 100 years ago. They even knew the time they'd bring it in. And it was, it was to be towards the end when they've always got the whole global system standardized, and that's why it's being brought in now, you see. Everything is on cue, like a big long-term business plan. And I hear the music coming in, so we'll be back after uh, these messages. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix, and it really is a matrix because you think you're going to get into conspiracy sites and so on, and and sites on symbolism, etc. They can trap you for years and years and years, uh, just going round in circles and round in circles, because you have to get into the the system as it really is. Start off with what's self-evident, and the history of what's been happening is out there, from associations and foundations that, that bring it all about and who are constantly working upon it, you see. And most folk don't know that uh, at the end of World War II, organizations were already formed during World War II, but at the end of World War II, uh, the United Nations, certain a certain group was given power over all the rest. And the power that they had was to was to examine the causes of war, what they thought were the causes of war and who were the victims of war. And therefore, it was decided that the countries that participated in the wars, on the, the victor's signs as well, the US and Britain and so on uh, would have to be uh, altered in their culture because they they could be the next one these people claimed the ones who claimed they were victims they could be the next countries to become fascist and so I've mentioned before that the Macy group uh, uh, and others, uh, Bertrand Russell worked with them, he worked with the Frankfurt School as well and there's members who had left from the Vienna uh, School as well they all got together and they started to work together to create new cultures for those countries, the victors themselves. And in the U.S., the president of the U.S. actually gave them authority to recreate the culture. They worked with Bernays as well, uh, who also had already changed the culture of America or guided it into consumerist-type society. But most folk don't, don't know that they also work for these massive foundations, uh, philanthropic organizations, tax-free, of course, they have trillions and trillions of dollars to spend and massive investments, too, all tax-free. They run uh, thousands, literally thousands, of non-governmental organizations across the planet. Incredible. And I'd say that's a parallel government. But for, for Britain, they wanted to massively um, denationalize the country. And same with the U.S., too. And one of the ways to do it, and they signed this in at the, uh, in, in the Charter too, and behind closed-door meetings, uh, they, they actually, in San Francisco at the UN meeting, they actually said that uh, Britain would have to de-industrialize. Now, they never told the public in Britain about this. They didn't tell them either that it was also an agreement that they'd have to, to eventually work pretty secretively towards a complete European Union with a, a European Parliament, exactly as Karl Marx had talked about a long time before that. And they brought initially the, the free trade deal through the Royal Institute for International Affairs, another private foundation that sounds very official, but it's privately owned, uh, set together by top bankers of the world. And they, these were the guys who set up the United Nations as well. And they ran all the media. They now run all the media of the world pretty well through their other branches, Council on Foreign Relations, etc. And um, so Britain was getting de-industrialized. And it really started to speed up at the end of the 1960s. And through the, the whole 1970s, all you heard on the news was factories up and going. because they weren't telling you they were already moving them off to third world countries. They just said they were up and, and, and leaving or packing in. And it was, it was a daily routine to hear of all this massive unemployment and getting added to. And the suicide rate became phenomenal. It actually overtook Sweden, uh, way above Sweden, in fact, for a long time. But the public weren't told about. And even then, when you'd see these covert little terms that they always use, you see, when declarations are made through through politicians, verbal declarations, they are legal announcements to the public, and if there's no reaction to the announcements, then it becomes officially law, basically. And that they kept saying that your prime minister, it doesn't no matter what party it was, one after the other in Britain, would go over to France and Germany and, and they'd sign close for closer ties, closer ties for the EU. That's a term they always used, closer ties. And that meant they were signing deeper integration uh, and binding integration until everything was was completely uh, equalized amongst them. They'd merged their economies, they'd merged their banking systems and so on until so you couldn't get out of it and it wasn't until the late 90s once they had the whole thing up and running with this new EU parliament which for about 30 years they denied we're going to make uh, that she came out and said that that the people in Britain were not to know until it was up and running and finished now as I say uh, deculturalization was also a part of it too, mass immigration from diverse countries was to happen and uh, people in Britain weren't told either that many people ...were being encouraged to come in from, say, India and countries like that. And they were given first dibs, in fact, in opening up uh, businesses. Many of them got deals where they didn't have to pay any taxes for 10 to 15 years. That's quite a deal to get. Plus, they'd also get grants for opening them up. And they started off with corner stores throughout housing schemes and things like that... ...until folk got used to it. And then more would come in and so on. And they did the same thing in other countries, too. Back... Uh, but at the same time, too, uh, after Pierre Trudeau in Canada was in, uh, and I, I know this firsthand because because when I applied to come to Canada from Britain, uh, the, co- the consulate uh, told me, uh, the Canadian consulate told me, he was a French Canadian, he says, you know, you people are not as welcome in Canada as you used to be. He was kind of hostile, you know. And I still didn't quite clue into the big message it was given to me. But years later, I noticed, um, that one of the, 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 the writers for the Toronto Sun at the time, Claire Hoy, his name was, uh, Claire Hoy had managed to get the immigration statistics for Canada, uh, through the eighties and so on. And to the present time, I think probably hasn't changed. It was to be 97% non-whites. That was the official immigration quotas to change the face of Canada too. Now they're doing the same in Britain, and now it's happening the same thing in the States. This is how they're bringing in this world order and destroying the original cultures, but mainly the, 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 the basically European cultures had to be destroyed. This article here says, you know, old-fashioned Britain is gone. And it says, most Brits are unhappy at home and consider emigrating. I can remember too, in the 90s, there was a there was jobs five jobs going for engineers in Australia, in a place in England. Uh, they, were, they were gathering to apply to it. I think it was London. In fact, the, the queue was five miles long of people trying to apply to these five jobs. It's very hard for ordinary Britons to get out of there. Anyway, it says um, the new survey has found that many middle class UK families want to emigrate as Britain can no longer afford them a good quality of life. Almost two and three families surveyed want to emigrate due to the economy, the weather, of course, and also a loss of national pride. This is very important. This little bit here, that just when you see little memes that come across different articles, they're all connected, and they all generally have worked together. The ones who are behind it all, it's a loss of national pride. You see. The research is titled, When the, the British Built Adelaide, Australia, They Wanted to Build a Better Britain, it was conducted by Huddersfield University, which polled 1,000 British families. So, of course, they, they complain about the weather, which is true, because all the British folk really, up until the age 20, are really tall when they start shrinking with so much rain. Anyway, it says, there's a number one reason to leave the UK. 59% want to leave, followed by economic downturns, which is, let's not call it downturns, this is a, a forced depression. That's what it is. Uh, it's 49%, and expensive housing, 43%, bad manners, because now you have, you've got, they've been had, they've had years of deculturalization, just like the US has had through their Hollywood versions too, and you end up with a lot of these job boys on the streets. And loss of community spirit. Of course there's no community anymore. And neighbourliness. 33% in British society reads the report RT obtained from the Huddersfield University. 85% of families confess they want their children to grow up in a country with a stronger sense of community that they believe exists in the UK. They used to exist in the UK. At the same time, 9 out of 10 British parents said they want their children to live in a country with a less celebrity obsessed culture. And a more optimistic, can-do attitude. Very pessimistic in Britain because government, uh, you know, interference is so thick in Britain. There's, there's government offices everywhere. Says, but when it comes to moving abroad and starting a new life there, Britons prefer to stick with traditional and values that they are accustomed to, as does every other people, right? So nearly two thirds of families said they liked the country they're moving to, to a sense of Britishness. I guess it's looking at what it used to be, basically. And then it says, the study suggested the reasons behind many opting for Australia were shared cultural values. And gravitating towards the community in South Australian capital Adelaide, hence the title of the study was particularly highlighted. And it says, UK's living standards are deteriorating so the economic downturn, the depression, which had been in for years, forced depression. Britain's living standards have been declining as households build rise, such as fuel mortgage and food prices. They have for as long as I can remember. And people have been running for years, 30 years at least, probably more. Try to keep up. According to a new research briefed by the audit firm KPMG, this week nearly 5 million workers in UK are not earning enough to maintain a decent standard of living. concluded that 20% of the working population receives less than the minimum wage, which is $13 an hour. It also showed that workers are quite pessimistic about their future. Almost half, forty-seven percent, think their finances will be in a worse state over the next year. Where almost one-fourth, twenty-three percent, believe their job security has deteriorated. Well, there's no, there's no job security there. But you see, the goal has been achieved. The goal, this is all a goal. You understand? It's not happening by chance. As I say Britain was forced they signed an agreement to deindustrialise, and Britain had a massive industry at one time. Massive industry And every Prime Minister that has been along Of all parties Has played their part in signing on down the tubes By design They all knew what they were doing Left wing, right wing, they all knew There's no there's no sides in anything, it's all con And they all go by this, this charter they all signed a long time ago And they will not break that charter and So it's fait accompli uh, Back with more After this break Hi, folks, I am back cutting through the matrix to tie in with the last article, too, and talking about memes and themes that they put out there. Uh, And as I say, when you see the same articles touch on the same kind of topics, then there's a connection going on, too. But I've mentioned that these, the world is really run by these private foundations, and they have think tanks. Some of them are think tanks, and or some of them have many think tanks, in fact, and they advise governments, you see. They're just so altruistic, they want to advise governments and help them, you see. Anyway, here's one here, and this, this is quite the organization, it's called DEMOS. Now DEMOS has been there for years, all through the Cold War too, and people often wondered who it was communist or what it was. Technically it was run both sides, because the folk who run communism and capitalism are the same people actually, for, they go for a different purpose, which is the new world order, you see, the blending of the two. Now, communism too, and socialism also want this ordered society with the experts running the world. You see, same as communism did. You didn't elect these guys into the top, the Soviet system. You give them Politburo one, two, or three to choose from, and they're all sworn that the elite, the intelligentsia. They wiped out the Russian intelligentsia, and they moved in another intelligentsia, and these guys were running the show. That's they think that's more, more uh, efficient. The same with the Club of Rome, a private organization too, and think tank uh, that uh, works for the United Nations and advises governments. They say the same thing, that eventually democracy would have to go, it doesn't work. It's not fast enough to get things done. All the experts know what has to be done, you see. Anyway, this one here is from Demos. Now Demos, as I say, is, is really Orwellian, uses a lot of doublespeak to throw people off the track. So it's got quite a history, too. Anyway, here's the latest thing here. And it says the Progressive Conservatism Project. Now, this organization is anything but what you think is conservatives. It's the traditional conservative skill. But progressive conservatism is a term that Maggie Thatcher used. It's like neocon. That's what it means if you don't understand it. Progressive conserve, right? Progress conserve. You know, at odds with each other, it's, the, it's a neocon thing. Anyway, it says conservative means it conserve progressive ends. So the Progressive Conservative Project at DEMOS is chaired by David Willits, MP, Member of Parliament, Minister of State for Universities and Science. Now they, DEMOS works through universities because if you want to change culture and direction and ideas and, uh, and opinions on things, you must work through the universities. As you look at how progressive ends Can be achieved using conservative means The project develops policies and ideas That are firmly rooted in the conservative tradition But also reflect the progressive values Of personal and community empowerment See, that's what the, both the socialism And so-called fascism combined Because the new system tr- truly is run by people Who have used both techniques To get what they want Combating poverty and tackling inequality The Progressive Conservative Project Is run by Max Wind Cowie and you can contact him, blah, blah, blah. I'll put all these links up tonight for you to read. But here's the project for, for the latest Demos projects. These guys were all pro-Soviet and so on, and, and altering the face of Britain and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. An investigation into the state of pride in modern Britain ties right in with the last one, you see. This project will include, because understand, to destroy the culture, you've got to find out what makes them proud in the culture and start bringing it down. This project will include extensive new uh, qualitative research, new polling and longitudinal analysis to establish what British people are proud of, what damages their patriotism, this very important part, and what activities, rituals and institutions bolster their sense of belonging. This work is being funded by the Peers Foundation and will be published in the autumn, it says. Then it goes on to say, are we there yet? And so on, blah, blah, blah. Now, who are the Peers Foundation? And that's quite interesting, too. And it says, who are we? We are a, a British family foundation rooted in Jewish values. Our work is concerned with positive identity and citizenship. Our approach is based on research and inspired by the urge to ask questions. That's not a bad thing, asking questions. And they want to project Jewish values and so on. And then the next part is, is from, from the same organization at the Pierce Foundation, Israel as a Global Citizen. They're pushing global citizenship, you see. I'll put this link up as well to do with it. But they're all working in cahoots, of course, with Demos, because they all work together, these foundations. So on the one hand, they're talking about what creates pride for Britain. Then they're talking about global citizenship. You understand, if you're really uh, proud of your culture in your country, te- technically, you, you don't want to be part of this kind of strange foreign thing that's called global citizenship. W- what is a global citizen? Now, the Global Citizenship Awards, of course, have been pushed by the Rockefeller Foundation for years on high members of the Trilateral Commission and Council on Foreign Relations, etc., who are all working towards this this world. This to be run by a world government where you get massive immigration all over the place Free movement of labour Only if the corporations, the international corporations Need that labour to move in and out But it's not for the ordinary person to go in and out Ultimately As if they want you or need you So there's a lot to it And I'll put these links up tonight For those who see all the, the, the shenanigans Going on behind the scenes by different organisations That you've got to really look into To find out what they really are Not what they say in on one page and find out their connections and who's funding them and and why they're funding this and so on. Ask the right questions, right? If you don't ask questions, if you're forbidden to ask questions, there's something really wrong. <laughs> really, really wrong. You're under tyranny if you're forbidden to ask questions. Children learn by asking questions. So should adults too. And we're in a sad state when it's verboten. Back with more after this... Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and You know, the big boys have crashed the economies and plundered the public at least twice a century. That's the standard going. That's what they do. And, of course, because they run the legal systems in the countries, they also uh, never put any laws in to stop it from happening again because they always plan to do it again, you see. But guys like George Soros, who's plundered countries openly by rigging different markets and so on, is quite another character indeed, and again he is up there as the head of the European Council on Foreign Relations. You see, so there are no enemies amongst the guys at the top. There's no other sides. So there's only one group. Understand? And George Soros, who's 82, as his claims, former lover, 27 threw a lamp at him as they fought in bed over two million Manhattan apartment this is a a male online story so this is the big thing you know, that he's here he', was, he is fighting with his young Shikstad, the com chisters who throw themselves at these guys well because of all the cash but that's not the important part i'll put this link up tonight and you'll see uh, a little bit about what he did to get some of the cash and how he sunk britain he doesn't give you the whole story in this article, but it was in it goes in t- onto the fact that some um, He broke the Bank of England, that's what he was called, the man who broke the Bank of England, after making millions during the 1992 UK currency crisis. Now what he did, he actually said this in the papers at the time, uh, and you can go back in the articles and check yourself, that he phoned two of his friends up, and they were the guys who successfully started dumping bonds and so on, and betting on Britain, taking a dive and having to borrow and they made millions out of it. They set it up to happen. There's no law to stop them. Never will be, you see. And um, that's the important part. The rest of it is just the usual junk because after this bimbo will be somebody else and, and so on and so on. Now there's always plenty of money to throw in all projects, even though all broke supposedly. You understand there's only one honey pot, that's a taxpayer's honey pot. And that's where big corporations get in there, too. And any big, big uh, industries, including the whole green energy projects for private organizations, we are paying for all the construction and so on of all their projects, and they give it, get it all for free. Uh, it's, it's just quite amazing plunder and robbery that's going on right now. But here's a, it's not a lot of money, this one, but it shows you a public health study is now to spend $1.5 million to find out why three-quarters of lesbians are obese. Uh, do we really care? Huh? I mean, do, do we really, really care? And um, the only thing that might come out of, I don't know, will be to do with the super intake of uh, hormone, estrogens, you know, estrogens, artificial types, and so on, that's also affecting the men as well. And that's maybe what will come out to, to do with that, I bit. Yeah. But we'll wait and see anyway. But there's no end of money to spend on nonsensical things at all. There's just no, no end of it at all. And also too, this a judge in the horrific abortion case involving Kermit Gosnell. I mentioned him a few days ago. Uh, this guy was an abortionist who was killing women as well. But he also had body parts and baby parts all over the place. He, he had, he was killing babies after birth. And his staff, what kind of staff would you have where they'd put their sandwiches in with fridges with body parts and stuff like that? I mean, really, really? Honestly, eh? This is beyond horror movies. I mean, this is really happening. Anyway, this says the Jewish election has concluded in Gosnell's case and common and judge Jeffrey P. Meinhart has sent home any potential juror that professed to be pro-life. So I guess you could be pro-death to get on the jury so that this, this murderer here can, can get off with it. Which he probably will, actually. That's how bad things are today. You see, when you get to this stage when all things have been destroyed, the same thing has been done, and in, in time has gone past in ancient empires, for instance, the Greek and the Roman, and, and so on. Uh, and so, those who know how to do this, because that knowledge is never lost. In fact, historians, especially ancient history uh, and historians. I brought in to top level meetings all these, these big foundations like Carl Quigley, you know, he was brought in to advise on ways to, this worked with this country and that country or this empire in the past. Plato said the same thing, you know, the formulas, you can alter human behavior if you introduce the formulas in the right way. It will always repeat itself again. But during the end of a collapse, you get all this weird perverted behavior going on. And the New Age stuff stuff is phenomenal, so you push that on, especially women, they go into the magic ends of things. We've had the CIA backing uh, different women in the past, even creating magazines for them to make them go into the New Age things and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's still going on, you see. So ancient techniques will always work once you bring it in to bring cultures and societies down. And it says, and then you get these weird things happening again, which is typical of this period we're going through, when all values are lost, you understand. A kindergarten teacher is fired after bringing a vial of her blood into the class and letting children taste it. I think last year I mentioned the fact that it was in Canada here that um, two teachers well more than two actually, but two, uh, a woman and a man uh, put on a, a, a lap dance for the children. Uh, dance, and, uh, uh, and of course that kind of faded away because they didn't want to bring it up again. But it kind of faded up the newspapers, but this, this is how bad it gets is, is every few years people turn 18 and they're more corrupt than the ones from the past because of the indoctrination they've had. They don't know it themselves are corrupted. They, th- they think it's all normal because the age group's all the same. I and mean, this is These are techniques. Since up to a dozen Norwegian children may have uh, ingested their kindergarten teacher's blood after she, she brought the vial of it into the class. The teacher has not been identified. Reportedly asked the nurse at a recent doctor's visit if she could have a vial of her blood to take with her to the school where she taught. When sharing time came, that's quite a different new name for you, she took out the vial, poured it in a plate, and let the students pass it around the classroom, says uh, Inger Lise Andersen, director of the Dravog Kindergarten. And then... Um, The children asked if they could touch it, and then she she allowed them. Then they asked, "How do we get it off?" So she put her finger to her mouth, and the children followed suit. There were a dozen students in the class. I mean, what's going on? What's what's going on here in people's minds to allow this kind of thing to happen? You think about see, we're living in in a form. This is a created hell. To destroy anything and bring in utter chaos, to bring out the new order, you must create utter chaos. Everything is turned upside down. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. And so on. It's all been done. By design. By the formula. It's not, no coincidence. We'll also tonight, too, i put up this article. It's called Killing Us Softly, Euthanasia Policy Policymakers and Those Who Fund It. It says... H.G. Wells, in his in the writings *Anticipations*, he called it 1901, described the coming world state where there would be the merciful obliteration of weak and silly and pointless people. This didn't start with Hitler. Hitler copied Britain. This is in, in Robin Hugh Benson's *Lord of the World*, 1907. He said there would be ministers of euthanasia like Jack Kevorkian for instance and in 1998 another under American socialism a few years later but I believe we're there it says but that was written back in 1907 Ministers of Euthanasia that's where we are today they're talking about your value in society whether they should give you treatment or not Ezekiel Emanuel MD it says who are president appointed American president appointed health advisor promotes the complete uh, lives system It's called. I'll put this link up tonight too that's being implemented to ration healthcare. Dr. Emmanuel makes a clear choice. When implemented, the complete lives system produces a priority curve on which individuals aged roughly 15 and 40 years get the most substantial chance, whereas the youngest and the oldest people get chances that are attenuated. What's your value to society? How important are you? That's what it means. It's all here, folks. And you're living through this massive change. And you're watching Disneyland and everything else to do with television. This is Donald Berwick, uh, who at present appointed administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as a strong proponent of comparative effectiveness research, also to use to ration care. In the UK, rather than focusing on the individual needs of patients, the National Health Service uses comparative and cost-effectiveness information to limit options as a budgetary tool. There's little doubt the same will happen in the U.S. Actually, it will, because I've mentioned before, I've got it here, the RAND Corporation was given uh, this, again, private, not-for-profit foundation that rakes in billions for every uh, little investigation it does. They did the one for Obama, uh, and they, they came to the conclusion they copied the British system. Under the new law, accountable care organizations are set up which will force very aggressive rationing practices by medical groups. The healthcare law calls for paying providers for the services they use and for rewarding them for any savings initially in the Medicare program. This is Cass Sunstein, who the President appointed regulatory czar and who thankfully resigned lately, states that unless you specifically record your wish not to donate organs or doctors should be able to harvest your organs should you be declared brain dead. For donations on the basis of presumed consent, this is even if you never actually give consent. He's also stated that an economic crisis can be used to usher socialism into the United States. That's always been the agenda. You understand what socialism is? It's not what the folk at the bottom think it is. It's the opposite of what you think at the bottom, what socialism is. It says the president appointed John Holdren as a science czar. Holdren is the co-author of the 1977 book, Ecoscience that promotes ideas like forced sterilization and abortions to limit population growth compelling single mothers to give up their children to others, putting chemicals in water supplies to prevent births, and a planetary world government that would implement these ideas for the good of the world. And Ezekiel Emanuel, MD, has stated, the guy who has been put in charge of the system, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. These are the people in society who Emanuel considers useless eaters, They're no longer productive, and therefore these vulnerable citizens should die, it says. It says, it's not surprising since Dr. Emmanuel is a fellow at the Hastings Center, the same Hastings Center co founded by the euthanasia proponent William Galen, Willard Galen is MD. The same Hastings Center, whose other co-founder Daniel Callahan explained in 1983 that taking all food and fluid away from vulnerable patients was probably the only way to make sure certain patients actually die without legalizing of euthanasia. So we'll not euthanize them, we'll just starve them and dehydrate them to death. You understand how they do it? This is the same Hastings Centre that has worked side-by-side side with hospice industry leaders to transform hospice and palliative care into the practical laboratory where it's altered. It's utilitarian pro-euthanasia ideas that are implemented, practices we now know as, as stealth euthanasia and direct euthanasia, and they've got the link for that too. Then the project on death in America, financed by billionaire George Soros, the guy who's out with the Sixters, and the Robert Woods Johnson Foundation poured more than $200 million over the last decade into end-of-life programs and research would we'll link for that too. And the Robert Wood Johnson II built the family firm of Johnson & Johnson into the world's largest health products maker. He died in 1968, established the foundation at his death with 10,204,367 shares of the company's stock the Robert Woods Johnson Foundation has given the Hemlock Partnership for Caring Last Acts merger, now known as Long Acts Partnership, over $1 million. Cronkton Foundation, longtime supporter of Planned Parenthood and Euthanasia, Last Acts was the launching paid for $11.25 million grant to elevate awareness, in words, indoctrinate the public and inspire movements, improvements on the end-of-life care. Improvement means the faster, the better, killing you. That's what it means, it saves them money, you see. So, it says, the Soros Project plans to act as a resource center to encourage other donors to support death and dying causes. And it says, um, the leaders at the top of the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization are the Euthanasia Society of America's heirs and benefactors, philosophically. So, a nice name for it, National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, it's for euthanasia. <laughs> It says, uh, the NHPCO is legally and corporately uh, the final successor organization of the Euthanasia Society at the very strictest sense of the terms. And it goes on a whole bunch of other ones associated with them, too. And, um, as I say, there's more on George Soros, too, with his further plans on euthanasia. i will also put up uh, a PDF tonight, too. And, again, it's put put out by uh, the guys I've just been mentioning, in fact, the Department of Bioethics. Bioethics is a new name for eugenics. Eugenics got a bad name uh, only when Hitler actually put it into practice. It was okay when they were using it in the States. And the Rockefeller Foundation promoted uh, eugenics and sterilization in the States for years. But after, after World War II, uh, of course, it declined the bad name and they had to change their name. So they came up with bioethics. So these specialists in bioethicism are the ones who now give us their new values. And it says here that um, the National uh, Institution of Health, Bethesda, and Maryland, USA. And it says um, the authors are uh, Gavin uh, Persad, Alan Wartimer, and Ezekiel Emanuel again. Allocation of very scarce medical interventions such as organs and vaccines is a persistent ethical challenge. We evaluate eight simple allocation principles that can be classified into four categories. Treating people equally, favoring the worst off, maximizing total benefits and promoting and rewarding social usefulness. I'll say that again, and promoting and rewarding social usefulness, folks. Huh? No single principle is sufficient to incorporate all morally relevant considerations, and therefore individual principles must be combined into multi-principle allocation systems. We evaluate three systems. United Network is for organ sharing points systems, quality-adjusted life years, and disability-adjusted life years. We recommend an alternative system, the complete life system, that's what I've been talking about, which prioritizes younger people who have not yet lived a complete life and also incorporates prognosis, meaning uh, what's the chances of survival, how fit will you be, and so on, because you could be a good taxpayer and producer. Save the most lives, lottery, and instrumental value principles. And so they go through the whole kit and caboodle. You've got to really understand what they're saying, because they're awfully good at double speak, folks. But for those who've been following this stuff for a long, long time, it should be rather easy to decipher. Uh, this is hell on earth coming down. And as I've said for many, many years, here it is now. You'll be evaluated upon your productivity and your tax paying, and and, uh, uh, and and also for your standing. Your standing in community or society. What's your source? Are you necessary? In other words, how necessary are you? <laughs> it's all here, folks. It's all here. But again, most folk will just... You know most folk are gone. You know that, don't you? The, the, the incredible indoctrination, mainly through fiction, actually. They're addicted to fiction on television. That's where they get upgraded all the time by their, by their owners, I call it. Once you've lost your mind, you understand someone else owns it. And it's the ones who have got, got over your firewall. There's no firewall in the mind. And you're brainwashed. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix and A little bit of trivia too, but it's the time of mass corruption, especially in countries that really run on slavery. And there's so much getting built into China there. And of course the big Politburo at the top, which is the same as the Soviet bunch at the top, living on the mass of peasantry who work for peanuts. But such big scams going on there too. A Hong Kong woman was jailed for laundering $860 million. 860. She was illiterate too. And it says a woman has been jailed for 10 years for laundering about $860 million in Hong Kong. Lam Miling, aged 61, made almost 40,000 bank transfers between 2002 and 2005. See, they are more healthier in China. I mean, it's 61 years old, 40,000 bank transfers you know, in three years. That's not bad. She said the money came from a factory owner from her hometown in Dongguan, and her job was to transfer the money to other factory owners in mainland China. Anyway, she had all these uh, free accounts set up and so on. I mean, boy, this ambition, eh? Um, That's ambition. But you understand that's probably fairly common over there now. as as multi-trillionaires, more than anywhere in the world, are just springing up all over the place in China. Because it's so, it's so massive. The profits are massive without like a slave labor. Massive profits. Remember that China has to be the model state for the world according to the United Nations. Because it's so orderly and the government's dogmatic and it's a one party system. Communist, you see. Communist, fascist, I mean, it's all the same thing, there's no difference. You see. For the good of all, you understand. For the people. And the ones at the top, the big politburo that stuff their pockets and end up all this kind of cash, living on a, on a, on a, a, a peasant society and cheap labour, uh, are doing it for the country. For the, they, they represent the people. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Now, California seizes firearms as the owners lose right to keep arms. Uh, It's from Bloomberg, and it says California Department of Justice police agents walk towards the house near Ontario, California, and it says agents working for the state, uh, the only state-level program to confiscate illegal firearms from owners. Targeted people who'd once legally purchased firearms and lost the right after being convicted of violent crimes committed to mental institutions or hit with restraining orders. Actually, all I need now is a complaint that the person was violent on some occasion or other. And it says wearing, wearing bulletproof vests and carrying 40 caliber Glock pistols, nine California Justice Department agents settled outside a ranch-style house in a suburb east of Los Angeles, looking for a gun owner who'd recently spent two days in a mental hospital. See, so they're using psychiatry for everything now, you see. Understand that's to be the new boss. Everyone's going to have a boss. And an evaluator, you see, to see if you're politically correct. If you're not, my God, you're mentally unstable. They knocked on the door and asked to come in, but 45 minutes later they came away with, Peacefully with free firearms. It says California is the only state that tracks and disarms people with legally registered guns who have lost the right to own them, according to Attorney General Kamala Harris. Almost 20,000 gun owners in the state are prohibited from possessing firearms, including convicted felons, including convicted felons, those under domestic violence restraining orders, or deemed mentally unstable. What do we do about the guns that are already in the hands of persons who, by law, are considered too dangerous to possess them, harassed elected to Vice President Joe Biden after Connecticut school shooting in December. She recommended that Biden, heading a White House review of gun policy, consider California as the, the national model. The rest of the copy. So, it's all going on, folk. But again, the commies said that. The commies was a front for something else, understand, for another group altogether. And they said they'd had to South America as early as the 1920s. They said that now it's happening. But now that's psychiatry, you see. Experts to see if you're quite sane or not. From Hamish Moselle from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, a god, or your gods go with you.